I uh, had, well, my wife had the bright idea. Didn't think you'd hear a message start out that way. <laughs> I hope this is a good idea <laughs> for me to share it this way. Our kids are coming into town this year for Christmas. And last week, literally like 11 days before Christmas, she thought we should have Christmas lights on our house. You know, so yes, I am that husband that hasn't done it until now. And I don't think I've ever put Christmas lights up in the four years that we've owned this home. So it's like, it would be great to have even just these old crusty, uh, twi- what's the icicle lights? Icicle lights just on the gable and on the front porch, you know? So we had these icicle lights. I don't know from where they've been for years, you know, just crinkled up, you know? You know, so it's like, anyway. So I decided to go out there as a loving husband that I am. And it's like 14 degrees outside. Do you, it's like literally like two or three days ago. And so I'm out there and I'm on a you know, ladder and I'm trying to like you know, pull each strand and they're just fighting me. You know? And so I was out there for about an hour and a half. And finally though, and some of the, the lights don't work. So I had to like you know, coil those together and wrap them behind the little drain, like the little gutter thing and then keep going. You know? And so finally I got it done. I was like, oh, you know, it was like, you know, well, I'm not going to reference any bad, uh, no, anyway, you shouldn't have seen any Christmas movies that have any Christmas lights in them. Anyway, but, so it was glorious, right? And so, but then, I, I had, we had to go somewhere for a church meeting or something, get back, and they're off. And it was like, no, like what, and I knew they were kind of flickering off and on as I did it. So super frustrating, so I'm like, I don't know. So finally, I tried it, and I was like, I think it's the actual outlet, you know, those outlets way up above, like, I don't know. And so I called my friend an electrician who wishes that I would lose his number because I keep, you know, he's like, I don't even go to Shine anymore. You guys know Dave Dennis. Anyway, so I call him. He's like, well, you know, it's a GFCI. Like, look all around, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like going all around kitchen, kitchen, bathroom, in our closet. There's like a GFCI little deal. Everywhere, nothing makes a difference. And finally, I go out to the garage. I'm flipping switches. I'm just like, Lord, I don't know. And then Cammy's like, well, if they don't work, you need to take them down. Because, you know, nothing is less Christmassy than Christmas lights that don't. It's better not to have even tried. So I'm like, no, that's going to be another 45 minutes out in the hot, in the, in the freezing 14 degree. So, but I go out there and they're on. And I was like, double Christmas miracle. And I was like, but I don't know what I did. Have you ever like, I did something right, but I don't know what. And so finally, I was like, I, but I don't remember like any button actually like clicking, you know, like, like, okay, that reset it. Like it was like, no, nothing. It turns out I retraced my steps and on our garage steps from the, where the cars are into the house, there's a double switch thing. One switch I've known for four years since we've lived in this house is to the garage lights. The other switch, I never knew what it was. I was like... I don't know, you know, so sometimes I leave it on just for fun. Sometimes I turn it off, I'm like, I don't know, you know, is this like surveillance NSA, like there's a camera, like, now you see me, now you know. That's the switch. So, good news, bad news, what do you want first? Bad news, you're gonna have to put up with me, my voice, I literally, I don't know, you know, being out in the cold, like, so now I'm like struggling with my voice. So, you will suffer with me in Jesus as the body of Christ that we are. Good news is, I now know what that switch is for. So we rejoice together. <laughs> hey, um, it's so good to have you here and um, uh, just to, to join us in worshiping Jesus and celebrating uh, what he means to us and how he is the game changer 
and the life changer. And so we're kind of entitling this series, uh, The Light Has Come, and just looking at, at this month, uh, some different scriptures and, you know, just looking at the reality that, that Jesus has come and, and why uh, we rejoice, right? It's not just because like, oh, yeah, like, uh, yeah, you know, we should be happy because he was an important historical character. It's like, no, why is it so important? What difference does it make? to our lives. And so uh, I hope you got a chance to hear the first couple. Uh, uh, Lauren Stone kicked it off. She's one of our new teaching team members. Uh, we're so excited, by the way, about the teaching team. It's expanded recently to seven uh, people, men and women, and just God is speaking. I hope you agree. Just God is speaking with fresh perspective, with fresh word. Josh sitting up here, he's one of our uh, newer teaching team members. Uh, folks that have been pastors, that have been uh, in, in spiritual leadership, and that they're just bringing um, their hearts for the Lord, their humility, um, their gifting, and, and I'm rejoicing. I hope you're rejoicing. Uh, but, but Lauren kicked it off uh, with her first message on baby Jesus and, and, and coming at the darkness, the heaviness of that, and yet how he has came, come to lift our burdens. Um, something she said that impacted me was uh, where the angels, you know, when Jesus was born and, you know, the angels that were with God didn't see everybody just flocking and leaving everything to go worship him. And they were like, that's it. We're going down there and we're going to tell somebody, you know, and that's how the shepherds heard about it, right? I don't know if that's how it happened. That's how she described it uh, facetiously. But just, uh, I encourage you to go back on our YouTube channel, listen to that. Uh, last week, John Peterson, a guest speaker and one of our mentors here at uh, Shine Church, spoke about nuclear baby. Nuclear baby. Man, Jesus, uh, I'm sure he was a cute baby, but he wasn't just a cute baby. He came to shake some stuff up and to rattle some cages and to really uh, tear down the kingdom of darkness and establish the kingdom of light and bring us into it. And, uh, and so I encourage you, listen to that message on our YouTube channel as well. Uh, but today we're going to pick up in Isaiah uh, chapter 60, I'm going to have somebody else read uh, the scriptures for me, and I hope you guys are ready to interact a little bit, because, you know, the more you talk, the less I have to. <laughs> so let's do this as a team, as a family, but, um, but we're going to pick it up there, and um, uh, talking about the fact that the light has come, but that God did it his way not our way, right? The light has come, we celebrate that, but God did it his way and not our way. And so uh, we're gonna go ahead and jump in. If you wanna follow along with the message notes on your device, we'll have the scriptures up on the screens, but you can scan that QR code on the seat in front of you. That will take you to message notes. Obviously, you can find other information uh, about Shine and connect with us, uh, newsletter and other stuff as well. But uh, let's go ahead and uh, jump in. So, uh, Maddie, our reader today, would you please read uh, Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 3? Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. So good. Arise, shine. For your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. I'm telling you what, what an encouraging promise. What an encouraging word. Maybe you need to hear that today. Maybe you've been longing for a word from God to remind you, hey, the light is coming. The light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. You're not alone if you feel that way. In fact, God's people, in the context of that passage, it was the prophet Isaiah. It was around 740 years before the birth of Jesus, give or take. 
Um, and the people of God were in a season where they already felt in many ways distant from God, and they were actually heading into an even darker season. So what was about to happen was that a few years after that, in 722, I remember because it's my birthday, um, the northern kingdom got totally viciously attacked by the kingdom of Assyria and uh, got taken away and, and deported, and they brought in other people, and basically that was the end of the northern ten tribes of Israel. God judged that sin and, and, and all of that. And then fast forward about 136 years or so, and it was the city of Jerusalem was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. You guys remember Nebuchadnezzar? Does that name sound familiar? Obviously the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, the fiery furnace, all of that. That was Nebuchadnezzar, that king. But amongst other things, he laid siege to the city of Jerusalem, burned it to the ground, and it was an incredible time of, of, of suffering. It was an incredible time of God's people feeling like, oh man, wow, if God isn't protecting us, who, who is? If God is not on our side, what's going on? Um, and so it was into this season. And then it was followed by 400 years, what's called the silent years. Can you imagine 400 years, twice the length or the, the amount of time that our uh, country has been a nation without a prophetic word, without hearing from God, without a prophet saying, hey, hey, Israel, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. Your God reigns. Israel, arise. You are God's beloved. You're written on the palm. He has you engraved on the palm of his hand. You're the apple of his eye. He sees you. He feels you. He remembers you. My son's here with us for Christmas. His name, Zachary, means the Lord remembers you. He who God remembers. Can you imagine going 400 years without that word coming through? That's where the people of God were at. That's what they were about to experience. But God, even before they went into that, spoke this promise, hey, arise and shine. I'm already looking to the other side. And I'm telling you, the light is coming and it's gonna shine on you and you are going to arise. The glory of the Lord is going to arise over you. I want you to be encouraged, guys. Maybe you're in that season of loneliness and darkness and discouragement, but I believe that God wants to speak to you, that his purpose in Christ is to have his light shine upon you. And the glory of the Lord. Man, that, that glory, do you know what that word means? I know it's kind of a, my wife was telling me about this uh, this week as I was sharing these notes. She's like, I, we just don't use the word glory anymore. Like, do you even really have to talk about it? Because, you know, nobody really knows. I know, it's kind of an old-fashioned word, right? But it comes from a word in the Hebrew that uh, really uh, gets its, its meaning from the word heaviness or weightiness. So isn't it interesting? The darkness can be really heavy, but the glory of God can be heavy in a very different way. Let me, let me ask you this. Uh, is there a moment in your life, was there a point in time where you felt the weight, the significance of that moment in a good way? Where you're like, oh man, remembering my life, if my life flashed before me, here would be four, five, six, seven moments that I'm like, that was intense, that was amazing, that, that defined me, that moved the needle in my life. Maybe it was the birth of a child. If you're married, maybe it was when you stood promising your life to another person standing at an altar. Maybe it was your life being spared in, a, in some sort of accident. And you look back and you're like, wow, I know that you know, all days are meaningful, but man, there's a certain, there's certain story, certain moments in our life I believe that's some of what that word glory means. 
It's those moments of weightiness, of significance. And you know what, church? It's, it's that cloud of glory that would come down on the tabernacle when it was built and later on the temple. Sometimes the, the priests weren't even able to, to do their duties because the glory of the Lord, the thickness, right? God's always with us, yes? God is everywhere. But do you also agree that sometimes the glory of the Lord, it's like, oh wait, that's a showstopper. That gets my attention. I can, I can be distracted in the presence of the Lord. Clearly, right? We can. The Lord can be right with us. I will never leave you nor forsake you. But I'm over here like, oh God, <laughs> my life is terrible. You know, I don't know if I'm gonna make it through this. And I'm speaking doubt and I'm speaking fear and the Lord's presence is right with me. But when God's glory comes and I sense and I'm that cloud, that weightiness of his presence, it changes things. And I believe that that's what God is wanting us to know is that, hey, not just is my light shining on you, but my glory is rising on you. So that's what he spoke to these people. Now, we know the birth of Jesus. He came to restore what the darkness had hidden for hundreds and hundreds of years. The glory of God, the glory of who Jesus is, and guess what? The glory of who you and I are. Do you realize that your glory is wrapped up with Jesus' glory? When the enemy came and tempted the man and the woman in the garden, he wasn't just going after God's glory. He knew that if he got God's glory out of the picture, your glory and my glory would be minimized as well. And for thousands of years, we've struggled as a human race to, dis to find ourselves. We wonder if we have meaning. We wonder if our life matters. We wonder what is this all about? We, we struggle, we try to prove that we mean something. We, we, scratch, we scratch and claw trying to make ourselves better than the person next to us. And you know why all that is? Because the enemy stole the glory of God and blinded our eyes from seeing the glory of who he is as the king of kings, but the glory of who you and I were made to be. You were made to walk in dignity, in honor. You were made to rule this earth. You were made to walk around like Adam and Eve, having dominion over it all. Being able to be like, ooh, that's a nice little berry. Yeah, life is good when you're, it's good to be king. And I mean by that also good stewardship, right? Good stewardship of planet earth. Caring about the planet, caring about all this that God had made, keeping it beautiful, keeping it healthy. But as kings and queens, that's the glory that God deposited into humankind in which the enemy stole. And Jesus, 740 years after this prophecy, was the fulfillment of the promise that the light has come and the glory of the Lord is shining on us. Okay, but he did it differently than we expect. Have you found that God sometimes does things differently? Does God typically do things the way you expect him to? I find he sometimes has an ace up his sleeve. Sometimes he throws a bit of a curveball. And um, I know that when Jesus came, he came to bring the light, but he did it a little bit differently than we would expect. So I wanted to just take a, a few minutes and, and look together at some of the ways in which the light came, but God did it his way. You guys cool with that? Everybody okay? Do you guys mind if I get a drink of water? Could somebody bring me a water? Sorry. Sorry about that. Um, you sure you're okay? Everybody good? Am I okay? I'm doing pretty good. All things considered. Anybody know what the score is? <laughs> oh, 
I'm sorry to those of you who were TiVoing that, first of all, and secondly. <laughs> okay, thought number one. The light has come, and when Jesus came, when God brings the light his way, it starts with coming to the darkest places. The light comes to the darkest places. You know, years ago, our family got to take a trip. My father-in-law got a bonus at his job. He decided to take the entire family to Disney World. Zach may remember this. It was an incredible time. We stayed for like four days on site at one of the, you know, Disney-owned resorts, and they have the buses that come by, and I mean, so you're like literally like stuffing your face with crunch berries, and then walking right outside, and then right there's the Disney bus, and you're like, oh! And there's like little angels playing violins. Come on, be our guest, be our guest. You know, and you're like, I think I will, you know. So, you know, we have the, uh, we have the, um, uh, the, the, the park hopper pass, right? It's just like we are royalty. You know, it has Minnie Mouse on one side, you know, the, you know, whoever, uh, Cinderella on the back, whatever. And so we spent just this glorious day. Guys, do you guys know that like, Disney owns, like, I think pretty much an entire county in Florida. Like, it's literally like the entire area. So, like, you go under those glorious signs that are like, welcome, you know, Kissimmee, you know, that, I, mean, I 30 something that way. And then you're like, you're in Disney World. And whatever you thought your problems were, they are no more. <laughs> because you're at the happiest place on earth. And literally, like, I have to say, we experienced that. When we were there, we were church planting, and it was rough, guys. I was working full-time at Junior Achievement. If anybody's watching, love you guys. Don't take this personally. Uh, but, you know, they didn't pay very well. We had a family of five, and we were struggling financially. I was leading worship in Spanish with a guy on an accordion and a bass guitar, and it was, you know, go so, go so, go so, yo quería, pero lo buscaba, donde no lo había, you know. It was a rough time. I mean, I, it's, I can laugh about it now, but it was hard. It was hard on our marriage. It was hard on our kids. It was rough, man, working full-time, trying to start a church on the side. Total cross-lingual, cross-cultural. You know, I just like dove in like, ooh, monolingual Spanish. Come on, guys. My wife's like, I don't speak Spanish. Dan and Tina Nisink, you guys know them. They moved here to help us start that. They were like, oh, we don't speak Spanish either, you know. We jumped in. Anyway, my point being, we, we, it was just this time of refreshing where it was like, oh, Everything was so glorious at MGM and Animal Kingdom. And, blah, blah, blah. and then Animal Kingdom, we ended up going to the Tarzan show. And that was the final. That was like where, oh my gosh, I wanted to leave vocational ministry forever. If they would have so much as hinted that I could have a lead singer spot singing, you know, two worlds, one family, trust your heart, let, faith, I mean, let God decide to guide these lives we see. You know, can you see me? I mean, that would have... The Lord closed that door. Anyway, but it was so amazing, right? So all oh, that was so glorious. Even the, the curbs are painted like purple and pink and not just like red and gray and colors that, you know, you see in the rest of the world. So anyway, that was the glorious thing. Ended up coming back to Colorado. Well, years later, we decided to go on a vacation and we went, but we couldn't afford all the airfare and everything to Disney World in Florida. So we ended up going to Disneyland in California. And we were like, oh, it's going to be like... You know, it's Disney, it's Disney, Disneyland, Disney World. It's got to be about the same thing. So we get there, and we're like, okay, guys, are you ready? 
We're driving off the interstate into the street that Disneyland is on. Get ready for the magic. Get ready to forget all of your troubles, kids. Okay. And all of a sudden, it's like we're there, and there's like a 7-Eleven with like a dumpster overfilling with some garbage bags and a guy like holding a, you know, the end is near sign and like, you know, and just people kind of some motels that are like Motel 6 and then, you know, Lucky You Motel and other stuff like on, right on the other side of the street from Disneyland. I'm like, this isn't the magic. What is the magic? I want Disney World, right? But here's the thing. I think if you're like me, I want to be brought into a place of light and not even see darkness in my peripheral. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I think we, like, a lot of times, I mean, here in Douglas County, man, we, we're so blessed. And we just have the ability to, you know, we've gone to California, we're like, wow, that's a beautiful home. And it's like, whoa, that's a single wide trailer. And then, oh, that's, you know, it's, it's different in different parts of the country. And that's because I think we love to insulate ourselves. And we love to like forget that there is darkness. But Jesus isn't like that, guys. The very next chapter in Isaiah, Isaiah 61, tells us where he starts with the light. And I think he bypasses the places that feel sometimes like Disney World, that it's just like, hey, we've already pretty much got it together. And he dives right in to the place like Disneyland. And he goes right to the 7-Eleven and starts there. Maddie, would you read uh, Isaiah 61, this passage? Listen, guys, for the types of people that the light came to impact first. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. Mm. Oh, keep going. And provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Okay, so I want to have a little interaction around this. If you're new to Shine... Uh, we have an opportunity for you to just share a little bit of what the Lord's speaking to you as, as his word uh, goes forth. And it's amazing how we can learn from each other and engage with each other that way. So we do have a couple of mic runners. If you have a thought, just raise your hand. We'll get you a microphone. You can also interact online with the text number. But what are some of the descriptors of the kinds of people? Did you guys catch in that passage that there were different kinds of people hurting and broken uh, what are some of the different kinds of people that, well, first of all, before I ask you to input, what are some of those kinds of people that we heard about that Jesus came for, that the light came for? The brokenhearted, the poor, the gospel to the poor, prisoners, captives, diseased, yes. Somebody else? those who mourn. Wow. You know what? Do those remind you at all of when Jesus came 740 years later? And then as he grew up, he preached the Sermon on the Mount and he began with blessed are the poor in spirit. And then he talked about blessed those who grieve and those who in this life. Can you see the connection there? The one who was the fulfillment of the light that would come 
was the very one that brought that same, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to come into the darkest place and not just to kind of like shed my light on that which already looks pretty, pretty good and like those who already have it together. But Jesus is the one who said, it's not, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. I come for those who need a doctor, right? The Pharisees were like, you're hanging out with all the right, wrong kinds of people. You're hanging out with people that drop F-bombs and that, you know, drink too much and that, you know, vote incorrectly and that whatever. And he's like, I'm diving in, guys. I'm diving in. I'm starting with the brokenhearted, those who mourn, those who are lonely, those who are blind. That's who the light of God came for first. And he comes to the very darkest place. And he does it in general, but he also does it in our own lives. So I want to ask you guys real quick, let's talk just real quickly about how have you seen, you know, obviously these things can have a, a, a direct application. Somebody can be physically blind, and I do believe that Jesus came for that. Somebody can be physically a captive in a prison, and I believe Jesus came again to minister to them. But I think that you would agree it means more than that, right? It's not just physical blindness or, or physical captivity. There's a lot broader sense in which we can find ourselves or someone we know can be in that kind of a situation. If you're willing, would you share what's an experience either in your own life or, or with somebody, obviously, without shaming anyone else, but just uh, that you've come in contact with either grief or blindness or brokenhearted or someone heavy-hearted? Anybody willing to share? Let's have two or three of you share. And this isn't that church where the pastor waits for 10 seconds and then continues on, so we will outlast you. Believe it or not, I can keep my mouth closed for more than 20 minutes, seconds. So. How have you seen this? Yeah, right up here. And if you'd state your name first and then how you've seen it. Hi, I'm Jasmine. Um, I grew up and my grandpa was always taking me to church, so it was kind of normal in my life. But then he passed away and I quit anything, I guess. So I still always believed in God, but I quit going to church and anything. And then... Later in my life, I started having panic attacks, which never happened before, and I didn't know what to do, and I was trying to handle it the best I could, like here in earth form, and I was at Target with my husband, and for some reason, the gospel channel was on. I don't even know how that got there, and he was talking about a letter from a grandpa to a, a little kid, and it just reminded me that I had lost all that, and so then I remember Dan had married my husband and I, and I was like, I need to go back to church, and then I came here, and that was him telling me, like, come back, it'll be okay. Wow. And then all the anxiety went away. Wow, thank you so much yeah. for sharing that. Thank you, Jasmine. So awesome. So you felt maybe captive to that panic, that anxiety. You're not alone in that. I had, I had my first panic attack, uh, I think it was last year, and it was over my ear being plugged stupidest thing but I was sleeping and we had been we were on vacation and we're in a swimming pool and and I literally had a panic attack where I was like I'm not going to make it till we can go to the doctor you know tomorrow and like it's a captivity isn't it it comes it feels like the world's closing in on you but the Lord ministered to you that's so awesome somebody else have you seen or experienced or seen yeah if you'd state your name yeah I'm Laura um about, I don't know, 2014, whatever, um, my friend got cancer and I knew I had to come alongside her and I just was like, I can't do it. 
I was telling God, I just can't do it. And he allowed me to do that with her. And all I did was really just sit with her and, you know, after the surgeries and all that. But anyway, I just felt like God really helped me through that. I don't know if that's what you're looking for, but she was really hurting. And I was able to be there for her through God. So good. So good. Coming near to the brokenhearted. Absolutely. Thank you, Laura. Somebody else? Up here? My name is Kaylin, and this is going to get pretty heavy. Okay, so four years ago, I was heavily addicted to Xanax. And I had a grand mal seizure after three years of taking them consistently. And I almost died. A lot of people around me didn't know what to do. And so my husband did save me because he had um, a brother who has epilepsy, and he knew what to do when someone was in a seizure. I guess I was throwing up and choking on it, so he helped me, and the ambulance came, and I was in the hospital. And for a long time, I didn't want to acknowledge God, and I felt so wrong for that. I felt this heavy, lost burden. And to this day, yesterday, I felt I just came to realize that God saved me. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason why I have never touched any drugs again. I've never thought about it, and I didn't know why. I just thought it was a miracle, and I wanted to help other people, and I didn't know how I got to do that. But I feel, I feel going to church brought me a lot closer, and I can now thank God and realize that he saved me, and I have another chance here to do better and be better. <laughs> that's, so, that's so awesome. That's, that's Jesus. That's the light that's come, and he rejoiced in coming into your darkness. He rejoiced. He loves you so much, and he, re, he that's, that's fun for God. It's yeah. coming, right? Yeah. That's his idea of a good time. It's coming into a dark place, coming into a place where there was bondage, where, there was, where, where you weren't able to get free yourself and setting you free and, bring you, and elevating you and bringing you to a new place, Right? David said, you've, you've lifted me out of the mire, out of the mud, and set me high upon a rock. And that's what God has done with you. And you absolutely are, we're gonna talk about it in just a minute, you are bringing his light to other people around you. I guarantee you. People are looking at you and going, something happened there. What, I don't understand it, but something very, very interesting that's, that's drawing me is happening in your life. So way to go. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah, Dan, somebody online? Yeah, uh, somebody from the text said, we are walking through the brokenness of our family and prodigal family members. Wow. It is grief and sorrow that only the Lord can take away and only he can heal and restore our family. I thank the Lord that he cares more about bringing the, bringing the families that are broken to restoration. Mm, yeah, so good, so good. Guys, you know, when we're experiencing grief, I know, you know, being a pastor, we, we have a front row seat. Thank you guys. Thank you, church family, for trusting us with your stories. Some of you have trusted us, or me, even me personally, with, with the fact that you're going through a divorce, and it's super painful. Some of you have trusted with us that you've lost a loved one this year, you know, and, it's, and you're experiencing that grief. Some of you have trusted us with you're walking through painful things with others around you. Some of you have trusted us with with the idea that you are praying for family members. Guys, thank you. First of all, it's an honor 
that you would even share that. I think in my own life, oftentimes when I'm, feel, when I'm blind in an area or brokenhearted or feeling poor, like I don't have the resources that I need to, to, to accomplish what I need to accomplish and I'm feeling insecure and, and insufficient, not enough, the last thing I wanna do is bring that to anybody else or bring it into the light. Is it tough to do that sometimes? What's our natural tendency? We wanna hide, right? Adam and Eve hid right after they disobeyed God and found themselves in that place. And I think that's the enemy's trick, guys, is, is God saying, I'm the light and I've come and I wanna shine my light on you. I wanna shine on your grief. I wanna shine on your loneliness. I wanna shine on your brokenness. I wanna shine on the areas of your life that you feel poor, whether it be financially or whether it be in any area. You don't have what is expected of you or what you need, but we have a choice to make. Are we gonna bring our own hearts into the light? And you know what? Do you guys remember the story of that paralytic that they brought to Jesus? And Jesus was already starting to get famous. So it says that the house was so packed with people that had come to hear this amazing rabbi, this speaker who spoke with authority, that they had to actually, like, I guess, destroy part of the, of the ceiling and peel back so that they could lower him. And you know, we all know the end of the story that God said, your sins are for, Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. And they said, you know, but uh, some people argued, who are you to forgive sins? And he said, well, just so you know, I have the authority. Rise up, take up your mat and walk. And he was healed. Woohoo! But I wonder if there was a period of time when they were lowering him, where before he had experienced the mercy of God, where he just felt embarrassed. Where he was like, here I am being lowered and I can't move and I'm broken and I'm ashamed, and I'm here taking away from this great moment of teaching, and everybody's looking at me, and everybody feels pity for me, and I'm helpless. I don't know, right? Sometimes when we come into the light, there's just that like little, I don't know if you felt it, that like resistance of like, I man, I feel Jesus calling me like, bring this to me, bring this into the light. But yet I also feel like, oh man, that first step, feels like I'm just gonna be exposed. And you know what? The light does expose. But I wanna encourage you, our Jesus, the light came, not like to leave us in that place. Now that's just, that's just one step we have to walk through to get to the point where he looks at us like he did that paralytic, I love you. Man, whatever your sins were, my blood is enough to wash them away. I'm here to make you new. I'm here so that you can know that through me you are 100% righteous, you're forgiven. You're accepted, you are loved. I have nothing but your best interest in mind. I'm gonna set you free. And I'm telling you what, it's a challenge, but I wanna encourage you, if there's an area in your heart where you're sensing, man, the Lord's asking me to bring that to him and to be honest with him and with myself. Maybe it even involves another person, right? Maybe, maybe you're in a marriage and there's something that, that you need to bring into the light with your spouse or, or there's a relational issue with a child or a parent or a friend and, and it's that piece of like, oh man, I don't know. I kind of have it managed in the darkness, but I have a choice to bring it to Jesus and bring it into the light. I wanna encourage you, be bold, be bold, do it. Step into the light with that thing because the healing of the Lord, the blessing of the Lord is waiting to meet you in that place. Yeah, Rebecca, no, please. So I, I wanted to say when you mentioned... Um, you know, the verse where um, they lower the paralytic down. There's another one, I think it's in Mark, where um, 
four friends lower paralytic in another situation down to Jesus, and Jesus says to the friends, it's because of their faith mm. that you are healed. Mm. And when I was in my 20s, I was um, dealing really heavily with an eating disorder. And my therapist at the time, she brought up that verse and she said, I want you to find four people, tell them what you're going through, and have them pray for you for like a set amount of time. Mm. And again, I can't explain it, but like it used to be like, I would see a fast food place and I would have to pull in, go through the drive-thru, eat a bunch of food, and then go home and like regurgitate it all up. And um, yeah, so those four friends prayed for me and little by little, I just stopped doing it. And so when you're talking about that, and just like you mentioned in the last half of that, that, you know, that's why we have church, you know, so that we have people who are like-minded and who might be stronger in certain areas of our faith than we are in that moment. Mm -hmm. And they can come alongside and pray us through a situation. Mm, that's so good. Thank you for sharing that. That's exactly right. Yeah, amen. Would you guys agree? Yeah, give Jesus praise, man. Heck yeah. Would you guys agree that the enemy has deceived us in thinking that we have to put on a pretty face and get our crap together so that we can walk in these doors when Jesus is wanting exactly what you experience to be what happens all the time. We can come in here or out there. This isn't the church. We are the church. So if it's in your living room or at the coffee shop or here and literally go, I need some help. Would you help me? Can I just be honest? Can I just share what I'm going through, really? And see, those are the kinds of stories that move the needle, aren't they? Those are the kinds of stories that when you've walked through that, you're a different person. You've, you've experienced the goodness of God. You've experienced the freedom of God. You've experienced the power of Jesus to break a chain in your life. And nobody can tell you that that's not true. Nobody can tell you what you've experienced. Nobody can tell you, you know, that the Lord didn't see you in that place and didn't prepare for people to come alongside you and that you didn't matter enough to him. Because see, that's the thing about glory, guys, is it's not just that word weightiness and significance. I believe God wants us to know that, yes, of course, he wants to have that place in our lives. He wants to have that place of weightiness and of meaning in our life, but he wants you to know that you have that place of meaning in his life. He wants you to know that you move the needle in his heart, that, that, that when you're around, he takes notice, that when you're in the room, it makes a difference for how he brings his mercy and his glory and how he feels about this because you're here. He wants you to know that you have glory in his heart as much as he has glory in yours. Thank you for sharing that. That's exactly it, guys. And let's transition real quick to, to the second one because I believe you, you're talking about it. It's the idea that, that God has chosen unexpected carriers of his light, right? When we've brought ourselves, when we've chosen to bring our stuff, our blindness, our brokenness, our captivity to Jesus, and, and we're experiencing his wholeness, then I believe that he gives us this added privilege, which you talked about it as well, man, I knew he saved me. And I know I want like other people to know that God is good, that he's able to do what I couldn't do in myself or what others can't do. And that's the beauty of it. He's chosen us guys also to be carriers of his light. And guys, the enemy has worked overtime to bring a lie. And that lie is, again, you've got to have your stuff together before you can carry his light to someone else. Have you ever thought that? Have you ever thought, I don't know enough Bible verses 
Have you ever thought about, oh, I still struggle with fill in the sin? Have you ever thought about, oh, I still haven't forgiven this person, so therefore I couldn't be a carrier of God's light? Have you ever thought about, I've relapsed into an addiction? Uh-oh. I, I, I opened the computer and there was something inappropriate on there and it led me down a path. God can't use me to be his light because I'm still, I'm still captive. I'm still blind. I'm still brokenhearted. I'm still, I'm not out of all that. And God wants us to know, guys, that that's a lie of the enemy. That we don't have to like have it all completely wrapped up in a bow and look at me, I've got my life together. Have you ever heard the saying, hurt people hurt people? Have you heard that? Have you found it to be true? On both sides of it, I know I've hurt people many times. I've been hurt. It's true, our hurt causes us to hurt others. But what about this? Is this also true? The healing bring healing. Think about that for a second. I didn't say the healed. I said the healing. Those that are in the process of that Isaiah 61 stuff. Those that are in the process of still mourning, but wrestling it out with God and still holding on. Those that are in the process of still being blind, but saying, God, please give me sight. God, I got a glimpse, and then now I feel like I'm blind again. God, please, I want more of that. Those that are in the process of breaking free from captivity, but yet it's, it's an experience, it's a process sometimes. It's not just, hey, can God move in one moment? Absolutely. Do you guys believe that? I believe, man, sometimes like, we could do an altar call and be like, bam, in Jesus' name, bam. Bring the modesty clause out. <laughs> Done. Your life is transformed forever. God can absolutely do that. We serve a God who is able to, in one moment, bam, break a chain, set us free. Thank you, Lord, for doing that. He does do that many times. But would you, I, think it's, I think it's biblical also to say we do see examples where it's a process and there's a wrestling Right? Naaman had to dip down seven times and nothing happened the first time or the second or the third or the fourth or the fifth or the sixth. So if you're in a place where you're wrestling and when you're ashamed because you're like, wow, yeah, I'm not this unbeliever who didn't know about the love of Jesus. I am a Christian, but I have all this stuff in my life that I'm embarrassed about, I'm struggling with. Why am I still struggling with this? If, if, if I truly love God or if he truly loved me, I'm sure my life would look so different and we've bought all the lies of the enemy that God doesn't love me and that I certainly can't be his carrier of light to anybody else. I believe God wants you to hear very loud and clear. He's chosen you. He loves you. And not only is he bringing his light to you, but his promise is that he wants you to be a carrier of his light to somebody else. It might just be a little teeny birthday candle, but guess what? In a very dark room, that can make a difference, can it? That can make all the difference in the world. The healing can bring healing. God is saying, hey, look to me. I'm the light. My glory is rising on you. Has the process started? Are you discouraged? Hang in there. And even as you're in process, bring my light to the world. Uh, Maddie, could you read uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 1, 26 to 29? Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards, not many were influential, not many were of noble birth, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things, the things that are not, to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. 
<laughs> God chose unexpected carriers of his light. You guys think about the fact that the very first press uh, secretaries for the birth of the king of kings were a bunch of stinky shepherds. Like that should tell us right there. They were the first ones that went out like, the king has been born. The son of God has been born. You know, God chose the most unexpected people and he's chosen you and me. The things that are not, maybe if you thought, man, I don't know enough of the Bible or I, again, I'm still struggling, whatever. God said, hey, the things that are not, God has chosen to shame the wise. Our old pastor used to say, God can win with a pair of deuces. None of you should even know what that means because <laughs> God's chosen you. He has people that he wants you to bring the light to. Okay, what about this? And the command, guys, is to arise and shine. Arise, shine. We've been talking about for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises on you. But what are those first two words? Arise, arise, shine, 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 shine with my light, Jesus would say. Not your own light, not your own intelligence, not what you have figured out. I'm the light, Jesus said. You don't have to figure out how to build a fire. I'm the light in you. Just let me shine in you. Let me shine through you. Arise. That word in the Hebrew means take a stand. Arise firmly. Bring the authority of God's light. Not my own light, his light into every situation that I come to. Are you going to a Christmas family dinner that you're concerned about? Just bring the light of Jesus. Don't get caught up in foolish arguments, right? I hope last week it talked about, you know, John Peterson talked about, we get so polarized and so argumentative sometimes. Man, the light of Jesus isn't an argument. The light of Jesus isn't about making someone else feel less than or that we're holier than. Man, it's just letting Jesus shine through our love, through our words. Jesus isn't threatened and worried about you know, us defending his honor. <laughs> He's, his honor is more than secure. We don't have to fight for that, but we can just let him shine through us and he wants to use you. Arise and shine. What about this one? Last thought real quickly. Is this light, not only does God start in the lowest places and the darkest places, not only has he chosen us to shine uh, as unexpected carriers, but what about this? It's an ever-increasing light. It's a light that grows. Our family is coming to town this year. We're super excited. Um, but our family seems to be something that is growing as well. So last Christmas, we had uh, all of our kids, right, with us, and five dogs. So Zach and Courtney are here with us. Everybody welcome Zach and Courtney. My second and best-looking son and his beautiful bride. But they have a beautiful golden, our grand dog. Her name is Mochi. She's with us. Our other daughter and son-in-law, Ellie, uh, Ellie and Nathaniel, are driving in this afternoon from Nashville with their dog, a beagle named Harlow, or Harlita. She was with us last year as well. And then we have our two dogs. We have uh, Lucy and Millie. And then now Levi and Amaris are living with us while they're home, uh, while the renters, until they move out of their home. And they have a dog, um, goodness, Malibu. So we had five dogs and how many kids, adults? Anyway, four kids, their spouses, us two, a household but our home is growing and expanding. So just six weeks ago, if you could, but we had this little addition to our family. This is Ayla Eden. 
she is Caleb and Shana's newest. So they have uh, uh, Luca and Moses and then now Ayla. So we're super excited to have her with us this Christmas for the first time. So our family is ever expanding. Yes, did you catch my wife made me like insert this, you know, somehow into the... Moms will be moms. Grandmas will be grandmas. But here's the thing, guys. God's light is ever expanding. It's ever increasing. So I want to encourage you. If, if you feel like, man, I've, I thought God was setting me free, but I feel like, you know what I'm saying? I've taken one step forward, two steps back. I thought I was healed, but now it's hurting again. Man, I thought we were having financial breakthrough, but now the wash machine broke. Man, I thought that, you know, we were all getting along. And then this nasty argument, we had the worst fight we've ever had. What's going on, God? Have you ever been tempted to go, what are you doing? Does this stuff work? Does this Bible, does these promises work? Are they real? Are you playing games with us? Have you ever thought that? I know I've wrestled with thinking that. And I believe that God wants to encourage us by saying, hey, my light is ever increasing. Maddie, would you please read 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. Hmm. You catch that part? Ever increasing glory. Three words. Can you say that together? Ever increasing glory. Let's say it again. Ever increasing glory. You know the context of this passage, the Apostle Paul was writing, and he was talking about Moses and the idea that here's Moses who went up the mountain in Exodus 24, 25 uh, and met with God. It says that the glory of God, speaking of glory, came to the top of that mountain. It looked like a burning fire from afar. So think about that being like in the midst of the flames with God. Moses had some other elders from Israel. It says they all ate and drank in the presence of the Lord and did not die because back then it was like, if you saw God, bam, you were dead. God allowed them to live. So he went down, but he came down the mountain, brought God's laws to his people. But what happened over time? The glory of, of God, his face would literally, that was radiating emanating the glory of God began to fade over time. And I don't know if it was because he was embarrassed or, or why, but it says he ended up putting a veil on because he, you know, it's, it's kind of embarrassing to be like, oh, it's not as bright as it was yesterday. Oh man, remember like guys, like last month, it was super bright then, but now it's kind of like you can see a little bit, right? And it was fading. And God is wanting us to know, guys, the glory that I've put in you, the light that I've put in you is not even like the light of Moses. Think about, that's pretty impressive, right? To go on top of a mountain, burning flames, the glory of God face to face. Sounds pretty, pretty amazing. God is saying the glory and the light that I put in you is even greater than that. The glory that you carry is even more powerful than that to bring light to darkness because it is ever increasing glory. So don't be discouraged if you're seeing it and you slip back or you're struggling or it hasn't yet fully materialized and fully expressed itself. Keep hanging on to hope, guys. Somebody uh, uh, wrote on their social media feed this week, hope is hanging on with patient expectation. Hanging on with patient expectation. I believe that there are times when God allows us to be in that place where, man, we've grabbed a hold of his promise, where we've seen his light fill our lives. 
But then when it's still a struggle and it's still a process, and either my flesh or myself or my doubts or my fears or my broken body or my broken mind or whatever it might be, don't immediately conform to the light and the glory and the beauty of what I know God is wanting to do. And I believe that God is saying, guys, in that time, however long that season lasts, hang on with patient endurance. Because in hanging on, you're bringing glory to me. Hanging on, that's what Job did, isn't it? When he was being tested and he hung on. Remember he said the words, even though he slay me, yet will I still praise him. He was hanging on like, God, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know why it's taking this long. I don't know why our marriage is in this place. I don't know why my kids are acting this way. I don't know why my boss isn't giving me the raise at work or why I got laid off. I don't know why my friend left me out of that party and I feel lonely. I don't know why I feel betrayed. I don't know, I don't understand. But God, I'm holding on to you with patient expectation that you are going to come through, that your light is going to shine that your healing is going to come, that your comfort is going to fill my heart. God, Jesus, that you are going to be the light that I need and that you're gonna shine through me. Guys, the light of God is an ever-increasing light. Let's hang on with patient expectation. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your promise to us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the light. The light that was coming that brings light to all people was coming into the world. That's what it says in John 1, 9. The light that brings light to all people was coming into the world. Lord, we thank you that you have come into the world, but we thank you that as we open our hearts to you, your light comes in and floods us in new ways. God, I pray that would happen right now. Lord, you see where each one of us is at, you see where we're in need of comfort. You see where we're grieving. You see where we're confused. You see where the enemy has attacked and condemned and lied to us and made us feel like we are so unworthy and the most despicable, unlovable people in the world. Lord, you wanna break that. God, we ask that you break that, that you shine your light. The light is on our side because of Jesus. <laughs> the light that would have brought us shame and would have exposed our guilt now serves to shine on the fact that Jesus, you took all of our sin, that you took all of our guilt, that you took all of our shame upon yourself so that we can be considered righteous and holy, beloved sons and daughters, clothed in, in, in your perfection. God, I pray that you would open our eyes to your light right now and that, God, you would put in us a burning desire to carry your light, even as we're still healing, to bring healing to somebody else this Christmas. Even as we're still in process to share with someone else, not to put their hope in us, but to look to you and to open their heart to your light. God, bless your people. Fill us with your spirit. God, I pray that you would open our eyes to every opportunity to point someone to you, to shine our light on you. God, may we celebrate together how awesome you are that you are the light that has come and that the glory of the Lord is rising on us. Bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen.